Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. Good morning. Man, it's so good to see all of you here today to worship with us and to uh, get in the Word, to draw closer to Jesus. I hope that's why you're here today. I hope you have a Bible. If not, it's okay. You can follow along on the screens. But if you have a Bible, go ahead and get out your Bible. We're going to be in John chapter 12. I'm Pastor Randall, and I welcome each of you here to worship with us. I want to say thank you for each of you worshiping with us online, too. And welcome you. I know that sometimes when the weather's bad, it's hard for some people to get out. We do need to be praying for those folks in Tennessee who had a tornado last night. But um, thank you for being here. I appreciate you coming, man. It's Christmas season. And uh, yesterday, I went out shopping with my wife. And um, I'm not good at that. Anybody else not good at that? I'm not good at that. I'm not like, that's not my thing. Like, I've got a, um, it's like a shopping battery that has like, it's on 2% all the time. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I like, I can go in and I'm pretty good for like a few minutes. And then it's just like the juice is all gone. The shopping juice is gone and I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to go. But um, yesterday we went, we, so I, first of all, Dana's like, I need some shopping. I need to do some shopping. I need to do it. So I said this, I said, she said, like, so can we go shopping? I said, I got a great idea. Why don't you call your mom and see if she'll go with you, right? <laughs> and so she did, and her mom's like, I've got stuff to do, and I can't go. So then she looked at me with big, sad puppy dog eyes, and I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. I was like, had this day plan, chilling out, you know. Now I'm going shopping. Well, I went with a great attitude. I went, and it helped. When, when you're buying really expensive things, my battery goes quicker, Right? But when there's little things like that, I'm like, hey, I can handle this. So we went and we had a great day and fun time. My battery stayed charged the whole time. We ended up in Dahlonega because you can't go like, you know, it's like the Hallmark movie, right? Dahlonega. <coughs> so we ended up in, in Dahlonega and uh, ate dinner and it was fun. And we even took a selfie by the Christmas tree and Santa like photobombed our picture. It was amazing. It was like a Hallmark movie for real. But anyway, we ended up uh, doing that and uh, we had a great time. And I survived. I survived the Christmas shopping. That's not my thing. So we made it. And here we are today. We're celebrating Jesus. We're celebrating his birth. We're celebrating, you know, it's Christmas season. And, and we all have different Christmas things we do at Christmas season. It's family time. You know, you Christmas parties. I had three Christmas parties this week. I had another one tonight. I had two on Thursday I was supposed to be at. Could be at one. I mean, it's just all the different things that we go through. And then we're going to all show up at Christmas Eve service with our family and friends. We're going to celebrate. There's a lot that we do at Christmas time. But here's the question. Here's the big question. Does celebrating Christmas and doing all the Christmas traditions make you a Christian? Does it? Does it make you a Christian? I bet everybody here would be like, no, that does not make you a Christian. But why celebrate something if you're not a Christian, right? But what does it mean to truly be a Christian? So I wanted to just kind of dig in a little bit and do a little bit of statistics and find out online and find out just like what it means in America. Like what do people, their, their beliefs, how does it line up with 
Christmas and like in America, how many people claim to be Christians and all this kind of stuff. So here's what I found. I want you to listen to these. And these are, some of these are very surprising. First thing I found is this, that 69% of U.S. adults self-identify as Christians. Almost 70% identify as Christians here in America. 54% of Americans plan to attend, this is important, 54% of Americans plan to attend religious services on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Half of America will be in church on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. That's pretty cool. This is where it gets even more surprising. Three in four Americans, three in four, three out of four believe Jesus was born in Bethlehem more than 2,000 years ago. They actually believe it. 73% of Americans, adults, believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. 73% believe in the miraculous birth. 80% of Americans agree that Jesus Christ is the son of, the God, of God the Father. 80%. That surprised me. Like, they believe that Jesus wasn't just an ordinary man. He was the son of God, born of a virgin in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. That's pretty surprising to me. And 50% of believe, are going to be in church and worshiping on, on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Now, here's the big question. If people believe those, those things, does it make them a Christian? Does it make them a Christian? And, and it gets me to this other question. Why does it tru- what does it truly mean to believe in Jesus. Because you can say, yeah, I believe he's the son of God. I believe he was born of a virgin. He was a real man that was born to, you know, 2,000 years ago. But does that, even just having those beliefs, make you a Christian? See, we have to be careful when we say those things, just believing those things make us a Christian because you know who else believes that? Demons believe that. James 2, 19 says, you believe there is one God. Good. That's awesome. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So it's not about what you know, right? It says, it says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? So there's something more than believing truths and holding ideas. See, I want you to see this. Our true, our actions, our actions, what we do are the truest testimony of our beliefs. It's not what we hold in our mind, not what we think we know, what doctrines we have and believe. It's our actions. They're the truest testimonies. What we do reflects what we truly hold in our heart. So today, I want us to take a, a dive, a deep dive into this idea of belief and what is genuine belief, what, what it truly means to believe in Jesus. And how this belief will show itself or manifest itself in our lives. So we're going to take a look at that because none of us want to be grouped in with the demons, right? None of us want to be grouped in, oh, I've got the same beliefs with them. Oh, great. What else? None of us want to be there. We want to have true, genuine belief that, that manifests itself in our life. So we're going to see how that works out. Today in John 12, we're going to see that. And we've been walking through John story by story, event by event, and, and we've seen miraculous things happen, and now we get to where Jesus is going to actually talk about belief a good bit in this passage, and it's a lot, and it's going to be a good bit, and we're going to dig in, and you guys are all smart, and you're going to get it, right? <laughs> all right. Let's pray, though, and ask God to show us what we need to hear. 
So would you pray with me? Lord, we, we need you. None of us want to be tagged in, grouped in with the demons who just have belief. We want to have genuine belief. So here's what we ask. Lord, would you show us, open our eyes today, what we need to see about ourselves, about our own beliefs, about what your word says and how it applies to our life. Lord, so give us those eyes. Give us ears to hear your voice speaking today. Would you do that? And Lord, would you open our eyes and mind, open our mind where we have been shut off, where we have believed lies. Would you, would you <clears throat> correct wrong thinking? And Lord, would you soften our hearts? Soften our hearts to the truth so we can live out these truths and, and, and be different and be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So thank you, Lord, for your word. Speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. John 12, 37 is where we're going to pick up, okay? We've been um, watching Jesus as he's come into town, come into Jerusalem. He, he had a dinner with Mary and Martha. They washed his feet. We saw some more things happen the last couple weeks. Now we're going to pick up in verse 12 and verse 37, in chapter 12 and 37. I'm going to read through it and then come back and help us understand it. It says this, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, <clears throat> they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. It's interesting. We're going to come back and talk about this. He says, for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words, the very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that, this, that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. All right, a lot there we're going to unpack. But if you ask one, there's one word that runs as like a thread of a theme through this scripture. It's the word belief. It's mentioned seven times directly and then other, two time, other times referred to about what it means to believe. And so for us to get this grasp of what genuine uh, belief is, let's go back through it. I'm going to kind of break down these verses and help us understand it. First thing we're going to see, chapter, in verse 37, it says this, even after they had performed so many, uh, he had performed so many signs in their presence... They still would not believe in him. Now think about this. Here's what, he, what they had seen. What did they see a few, like earlier in that week and a few days before? They saw Jesus come up to a grave, to a tomb that had a rock in front of it where his friend Lazarus had been laid there for four days dead. 
And he comes up to it and he tells them to move the stone and Lazarus come out and Lazarus comes walking out of this grave. The dead man who the Bible says stinketh at that time, by that time, right? Came walking out of the grave. And guess what? They couldn't believe. They still could not grasp it. <coughs> that wasn't the only miracle some of them saw. Some of them saw him feed 5,000 people. They saw him feed with just a few bread, pieces of bread and some loaves of, or some fish. And, and some of them saw him turn water into wine. They were there. They saw these things, but they could not and would not believe. They just couldn't get it. See, they believed he was a real man. They believed Jesus was a real man. They saw him. They believed miracles really happened. They saw the miracles, but they could not come to this place where they put their faith and belief that Jesus was the real son of God and, and, like, and devote their self to him. So the first thing we see here is this, about belief is this. Belief is, in Jesus is more than acknowledging his existence. 80% of Americans will say Jesus is the son of God, that he was born of a virgin. Great, that's awesome. But that is not enough to save anyone. These people saw it. They knew he was a real man. They could touch him. They heard him. They saw his conversation. They saw what he did, even more than what we do. And they could not believe. See, belief in who he is is not enough. Genuine belief in Jesus is about understanding his divine authority and who he is, right? His identity. He is the son of God and allowing his lordship to guide our lives. See, there was two groups. There was the first group of people like the disciples. They saw what Jesus did. And they said, like Peter and others, you are the son of God. And they devoted their life to him. They became disciples, which means a follower. They called him teacher and they listened to him and they put his, his words into action in their life. Then you saw others who saw him, believed in what he did, but could not come to a place of make him the Lord of their life. See, the difference is how they responded to who he is. It's not about us understanding him, but letting who he is transform us and become the, like, identify him as Lord of our life. So many today, you, you like, maybe see Jesus working in your own life. You believe these things about Jesus. You believe him to be true. You believe he's the son of God. You even see in your life how God does things for you and blesses you or works things out. And you're like, man, that's God. You see the miracle and the miracles, maybe he even performs miracles for you in your life. But just because you see those miracles and experience those miracles and believe the truth doesn't mean you're a genuine follower of Jesus Christ. We must come to the place of saying, all right, you are not only that, you are those things, and you deserve my lordship. You deserve my life. Belief is about if you really believe that, you will, it'll change. It'll impact who you are. It's kind of like I believe, <clears throat> um, I believe when I get in my car, my brakes are going to work. Anybody else believe that? Like 100%, I believe it. Because if I didn't believe it, you guarantee you I'm not getting in that car. But I believe it. Here's what the other thing I believe. I believe my hard-earned money is going to be available to me when I go to the bank to get it out. Or I would not put it in there. Anybody else? 
So you hold these truths and then your actions back it up. You're like, that's true, so I do this. And if you really believe Jesus is who he is and the miracle work of the Son of God, then this, you will also submit to him as the Lord of your life, as the creator and the maker who has supreme authority over your life. So when we get that, that's what belief is. That's foundation. Second thing we see, now we're gonna dig in a little deeper. Here's what it says. In verse uh, 38 or 39, it says this. He says, for this reason, they could not believe because Isaiah says elsewhere, here's what he says. So there's people who did not believe and here's why. Let me tell you why. Look what he says, verse 40. He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. So what in the world is saying here? What is, I mean, it sounds to me like God has like said, I'm going to harden your heart so you can't believe. I'm going to blind your spiritual eyes so you can't see what's right in front of you. Sounds to me like he's saying that. And matter of fact, that is exactly what he's saying. And what we have here is this hard, hard truth and doctrine that has got Christians arguing for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years on God's sovereignty and free will and election and responsibility of men. See, if you're, if you're a believer long enough, you start to wrestle, you read scriptures like this. How does, why does God harden somebody's heart? Why does he make someone that can't see? I thought God loved everybody, wants everybody to come. Absolutely, yeah, that's what scripture says. And it also says God hardens some. And God blinds some. And you would say this, and in our typical American theology would say this, well, that's not very American. It's not very fair. God is not concerned with fair. You know what he's concerned with? His glory. And you go read Romans 9 where he says that, he talks exactly about this. He said, well, who is to blame God? Why can you blame someone if they don't believe? He says, well, who are you to talk back to the maker? Pot of clay. Can't the potter do what he wants with each potter, a jar of clay? Some he made for glory, some for dishonor, all for why? For his glory and his honor. And he gets to this whole mystery, church. He gets this whole mystery of what God does and how people come to Jesus Christ. So here's what we have. On one side, we see this right here. He says, on one side is the sovereignty of God. God does what he does and he does it for his glory. And then on the other side, you know what we also have? Choose you to say who you will serve. We have, we have this idea of human responsibility that our actions really do matter and have consequences. And you say, how in the world does that work out? If either God's in charge or he's not, or we're in charge and he's not, how does that all work out? We'll find out when we get there. But here's what we know. It's all there. I love what Charles Spurgeon said years ago, 150 years ago. He said, you know, it's like this. He said, on one side, you've got the sovereignty of God. On one side, you've got free will of man. And it's like standing in the middle of some railroad tracks. One rail is the sovereignty of God. One rail is the free will of man and the responsibility. He said, it looks like two separate things. And it is. But if you stand in the railroad tracks and you look off far enough, guess what happens? It comes together as one line. And where does that happen? In eternity in the mind of God. 
We don't get it when we're looking, trying, oh, I got to figure it all out here. We can't figure it out. There's some mystery to it. And you have some who see something and they watch it and they believe and you see others who don't. And he says, why? Because here's what we learn. And this is what the scripture reveals to us. And we all have to get this. That belief, number two, belief in Jesus is a work of God. It's a work of God. He does it. He opens eyes. He softens hearts. You know how we know this? Because the scripture tells us this right there. But it also tells us that no one seeks after God. Why does anybody seek after God? Because God does it. No one comes to God unless the Father draws them first. He does that. We're born in our sin. Last time I checked, a dead man or dead woman couldn't get up and do anything unless, you know what God does? He starts to do a work in their life. This is a very humbling scripture. And some of us may read that and go, well, that's not the God I know. I thought he loved everybody. He wants everybody. Yes, he does. Because here's what we know too. Jeremiah 29. <laughs> Jeremiah says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The promise is this. If you want to know him and you seek him, you will find him. Here's what I know. Everybody gets what they want. If you seek after God and you want God and you want to have a relationship with him, you know what that means? God has begun the work of softening your heart. And he has begun to open your eyes so you can see. And you know what you want? You pursue him and you get him. Believe it should help us to understand this that of God's grace in our life. Open our hearts and my life. That's how we pray. And you know how I, how I know we also believe it? Because we pray for others. If God doesn't do the work of opening eyes and hearts, then there's no need to pray for the salvation of somebody else. But he does it. And that's why it is so important for us to say, God, open the eyes of our friends. This is why every time I preach, we start with what? Open our eyes, open our ears, soften our hearts, open our minds. Why? Because I can preach. I can get up here and sweat, which I do every time. I can get up here and spit, but you guys are so far apart from me, you can't get it, right? I can spit and sweat, and I can teach the scripture. I can bring the most important analogies, show all, the, you know, all these things. But if God does not open your heart and open your eyes, there's no way you're coming to him. And you know what it takes from us? is humility, saying, God, open me up to you. Would you do this work in my heart? So nobody can boast. All we can do is say, God, thank you. 
thank you for this. Thank you for opening my eyes, opening my heart, softening my heart to you. Thank you for helping me to hear your voice because it's a work of God. We have to get this and understand it. But here's the promise. Anybody who wants to know him, you seek him and you'll find him. When you seek him with all of your heart, and you know why you want him? Because he started that in you. So that's important. Let's keep going. Verse three, or uh, point three. Starts in verse 42. Let's read here. Verse 42. <clears throat> so some didn't believe because God had hardened their hearts. And then he says in verse 42, yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, the, the leader, religious leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. So it's an interesting phrase here. So the word, there's different forms of the word belief. And this form in the Greek where it says this, they believed in him, it's like a, a, a past thing that happened. It's a past thing, not an active, it's past. They believed, they saw him, they saw him do these things and they had this belief, but it wasn't enough, it wasn't an active belief in their life. And so when it came to being courageous in their faith, they were not, they didn't have enough faith to even say, yes, we follow him like these other people do. So here's the third thing we learn: Belief in Jesus demands courage. It demands courage. It believes, it's, it's the ability to say, this is so real that I don't care what it cost me. I have belief, I believe it to be true. It's like the bank thing. I believe it to be true. I put my money in there, so I'm gonna live it out. It's the same thing with, with our, our courage and faith in a world today, listen, especially, where it's not socially acceptable to have faith in Jesus Christ. But we're called to be, be courageous and have courageous faith. But courageous belief is not about confrontation. It's not about fighting people with the truth. It's about this. It's about, or defiance. It's about living your faith with integrity, being who you say you are, whether in public or in private, or, or when it costs you something, that's integrity, with love and humility. I got challenged on that this past week. I was out. Friday with one of our young people in our church, uh, a guy named Alan, who's working with our young, young adults and college students, and, and, and God's called him to preach. He's a great communicator. He's going to preach for me in a few months. But we were out for lunch and talking about ministry and life and, and uh, the sermon he's going to be pre preaching and just kind of pouring into him. We were at Cheddar's about 1130 on Friday, and and uh, we finished our meal after talking, and then we get up and we start walking out. I'm ready to go next, to the next appointment. And he stops and sees this lady who is sitting across the booth from us on the other side. And he just stops and said, ma'am, I love your hat. And she had this, I couldn't even tell. I didn't even notice the lady, right? But he's got this hat on. She's got this hat that's got like Bugs Bunny and, you know, all the cartoons we, a lot of us grew up with. It's got all these cartoon characters on it. And he's like, I love your hat. And she just goes in talking about, oh, I got this hat so many years ago. I went, you know, she just starts spilling out. And there's an older lady. And then, and he said, well, ma'am, thank you for um, talking with us. And he said, can we pray with you? Is there anything in your life that you need praying for? And I'm like, I just all of a sudden felt, <laughs> I used to be that way. I used to like notice people and want to like 
be public about my faith, but now I'm, I'm, and I'll be honest with you, I'm just ready to get on to the next appointment. I'm on to the next thing. And she just looks at us and like, uh, you want to, uh, sure, yeah, you can pray with us. Pray for me. And so she says, she says, just pray for my health. I have some health issues. And so he just, right there in the middle of Cheddar's, we're standing in front of everybody and right in the middle, he just starts praying out loud for her. She takes her hat off and, you know, and we, he starts praying. And then when we're done, I look around and everybody in the other booths have joined us in prayer. And I'm just like, here I am, the preacher trying to pour into this young man. He's just like, you know, like, right? I mean, it's from, and I'm like, God, I need that again in my own life, that courageous faith. Anybody else need some more of that? <clears throat> Listen, God loved me whether I prayed with her or not. But I, wanna, I want that kind of faith. Alan's a great young man. He'll be sharing and preaching in a few, few in, over New Year's for me. You'll be blessed by him. But it's not about being defiant and arguing truths, right? It's about just loving people, praying with people, being public about your faith. And it's so hard to do today because you risk your job sometimes. You risk your friendships you risk your place at school. You risk your community. You talk about your faith online. You get ridiculed. Keep that to yourself. No, Jesus, don't keep it to yourself. If you believe it, you'll be courageous about it. Fourth thing we see is this. Belief in Jesus Let's look at the scripture here. Verse 44 says, then, then Jesus cried out, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. So here's what we learn in this. Belief in Jesus centers on an ongoing relationship. See, Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, you don't just believe in me. You're actually believing in the Father. You're believing in the Father. And just as I'm in constant relationship with him, when you believe in me, you're in relationship with the Father. And it's all about a relationship. It's not about the rituals. It's not about going to Christmas Eve service. It's not about going to Easter service. It's not about even having truths and holding and believing those truths. It's about having a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. That's what the whole thing is about. It's about this active, living relationship where God's speaking into your life regularly. You hear him and you put it into practice. That's the relationship. Last night I was, I was going to bed. I tried to go to bed early on Saturday nights and I was getting in my Bible and laying there. And, um, instead of flipping through Instagram, I'm like, I need to read the Bible. <laughs> I start reading. And man, just one verse about grace and God just spoke to me like, I, like he was sitting in the room with me. He spoke to me about grace and how grace isn't just something we experience at salvation. It's about grace as an ongoing thing of God's active assistance in our life every day that he gives us. And I just start thanking him and start praying. It's like he's right there in the room and in the room. I mean, Dana's over there, you know, flipping through whatever she's doing, but I'm having a conversation with God because he's real and he's my savior. And he's not just a belief I have in my head. He is a living God who wants to have a relationship with me. And so I have that. That's what it means. And Jesus says, when you believe in me, you believe in him and you have a relationship with him. See, belief in Jesus centers on an ongoing relationship. 
And the fifth thing, let's look at this last verse. This one can be confusing, so I'm going to explain it. Here it says, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Isn't that great? But there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. And look what he says. Here's the judge. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. So this can be confusing because he says in two sentences, I didn't come to judge, but you're going to be judged. And a lot of times we think of Jesus as the judge. Listen, the main goal of Jesus when he came to the earth, we're celebrating his birth, but he didn't come just to be born. He didn't come just to teach and reveal who God is. He came to die. And he came to die for our sins and to die off our sins and then come back out of that grave and give us new life. But he came as the savior of the world. And it says, whoever believes in him will never die, but live for eternity in him. Listen, that's the purpose. That's the mission of Jesus. But then in the same sentence, the next sentence, he actually says this, but there will be a judgment. And he says, it's my, my words that I heard from the Father that you're going to be responsible for. He said, I just did, I came to do my job. Now, you are responsible for what you hear and what you do with his word. And one day we're all going to stand before the Father and guess what will be used as the judgment of our lives? Not what did you believe? Did you believe these truths? What did you do with my words? Did you put your hope in me? Did you put your hope in Jesus? Did you believe that to be true and then show it with the evidence of your life by following his words? It's kind of like this. Um, every year I go to get a checkup. I go to my, see my doctor and I do not look forward to it. Anybody look forward to that? No. And here every year I go, he says this. He's like, and he's a good friend. We ride bikes together and we hang out and all that. He's like, well, Randall, looks like you added another pound or two this year. Anybody else? <laughs> looks like your blood pressure's up a little more than it was. And, you know, looks like you know, he kind of goes through all this, your blood work. You know, and, 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 and I'm still in great shape, but it's always a little bit worse. And here's what he says. You probably could watch what you're eating. You probably need to watch what you're eating. If you want to cut that off, you keep that pattern, you're going to end up in trouble. And he says, you probably need, you know, he just goes through this. He gives me some advice. The, the purpose of the doctor is to, like, save me, right, from death or, like, help. Or maybe you go to the ER. Like I was talking with one of our church members who ended up in the ER, one of our church attenders. He ended up in the ER this past week, and he's got blockages. What are they there to do? Save his life. We're going to save him. We're going to save We're going to save his life. Now, after he's gone through that and he goes back to see the doctors, they're going to say, now, you're going to, if you want to continue to live, here's what you need to do. Eat better, work out more, stay active, change, you know, eat less salt. You're going to say all these things. What he does with that will determine the consequences, right? And Jesus is like the doctor who's there to save, and he saves and he saves. And then he says, all right, I come to save, and I'll save you. Now do this, and you are responsible for what you do with what he teaches. Now, one day you're going to have to give an answer for that. And belief in Jesus means this. I don't just believe him to be the Savior. I believe to be him to be the Lord of the world and the Lord of my life. And his words matter to me and I'm going to follow them. Just like if I believe the truth the doctor tells me, I'm going to put it into practice. 
See, belief in Jesus has eternal consequences. It determines how we end up, how we live our life. It's not just enough to hold some truths, but to hold those truths and let them come out in our life. Say, I want you to understand this. Summarize it all with this. Belief is not just an idea we hold, it's a reality we live. If you believe it, it'll show up for real in your life. True belief in Jesus is an active, living faith. It reshapes your life, your values, and your purpose. That's what it genuinely means to believe in Jesus. Not just an idea, but a reality you live. So believers in Jesus today, here's, you believe it, you hold it to be true, and, it's, and you're following his word. Man, that's awesome. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Continually make Jesus a bigger part of your life. Keep asking for more faith. Lord, give me more belief. Hum, Lord, like we do every Sunday. Lord, open my eyes, open my ears, soften my heart. Open, do those things so I have more faith and more belief. Take his word, put it into action in your life. Not just ignoring it like we do the doctor, but putting his teachings in, into action in your life. This, what, this Christmas, what if you began to say, that's what I want. I want that genuine faith. Walking in relationship with God the Father. And listen, maybe you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus, but something's stirring inside of you. You're like, I don't know. Maybe you're online, you're watching, you're like, oh, maybe I've never really believed it, but there's a desire in you. You know why you have a desire? God is up to work in your life. He's creating something. He's doing his work. He's opening your eyes, helping you to see. And I challenge you to say this, God, give me belief. Give me more belief. Watch what happens. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves right now before you, knowing that you are the creator, the maker. We, you came to save us, and we give you thanks right now. Church, can you just, just thank Jesus right now that he came into this world to save you. And if he has opened your eyes and softened your heart and given you faith and to believe, can you thank him because he did that in you? Just thank him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for doing that work in us. When we were dead in our sins, while our eyes were blinded, when we were hard as a rock, you did something miraculous. And the grace of God touched our eyes and you opened our hearts and minds to believe and thank you for that. Now, now ask him this, say, God, would you give me more belief? I humble myself before you. Give me more faith walk in relationship with you, to follow your words. To live courageously for you. Father, we thank you. Lord, give us more faith. Give us more belief. Continually soften our hearts and our minds. Help us 
to have such a genuine faith that it shows up. It's not just something we hold in our hearts and our minds, but it's a reality we live, whether we're at Cheddar's or we're at work or at school or we're alone in our bed. Lord, would you let it be a reality we live? Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ and you don't have never put your faith in him, but right now there's something stirring in you, that's God. It's up, he's up to work in your life. He's doing something. Maybe right now you just, you've come to the place where you have faith. You believe it. Like he's, he is the son of God. He came, he died. And, and now I want you to move from understanding that truth to putting your faith and obeying him. Saying, God, I want to trust you for that and my salvation in my life. Now I want to make you the Lord of my life. start today in having a relationship with him. If that's you, in just a moment, we're going to sing and we're going to worship. During that time, take a communication card, write your name on it. On the inside, check in there, I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. And then you're going to tell you what to do with it at the end of the service. But start that relationship today. Father, we love you. We thank you for speaking. Thank you for your word and how You give us faith and belief. Increase our belief and faith now. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray.